Okay, it's the Polini Perspective podcast, but we are sans Patrick Polini this week. Yeah, it's me. Instead, we have Tim Young. Tough times. It's tough times. There's budget cuts here. They're like, who can we get off the street? And it's hmm, me. Who can we get? And actually, you know, I'll be curious because I, I have met you. I know you. You've been on my own Hey Fresh podcast yeah. a couple of years ago. In the middle of your drama on your podcast, by the way. Really? What was going on? You had just like fired your co-host or your co-host oh, and you had a Sammy divorce or something. And I, that's right. Sammy had exited the Hey Fresh show. And I was like the first fill-in or something like that. It was yeah, some sort of high was, drama. It, we don't have that here. It was high drama. <laughs> We do, but Patrick just won't let us talk on, about it. On this required <laughs> listening for all staff at Fox 5 and Fox Networks, because you have to listen to the Bosses Podcast, and that's why I'm excited to be here. Yes. Well, um, you go by, you're very well known on Twitter as Tim Runs His Mouth, yeah. which is a name that was appointed to you by your mom. Yes, exactly. You, you also are known, you're a cons- not, you don't really say conservative comedian, do you? I lean you- right, because conservative gets gets conflated so much with social issues over and over again, and, and it's because people like want to take these hard stances on like social conservatism, where they're like against like gay marriage and all that kind of stuff, and, and I am not... Uh, you know, I, I'm for people living their lives. I'd say I'm more libertarian when you really think about it. But people have called me a conservative comedian for a very long time. Okay, so political comedian. Yes. Um, you've all. You're also an author. You uh, ha- host uh, various things here at Fox Five. You're a contributor. You come on. You talk political talk. Not officially yet. Not official. Not officially. But Not official. Apparently, I will be joining the staff. <laughs> This week. It'll happen. I, I will clean the toilets here on But you're on a regular. In the meantime, yes, you're a regular, regular here. You often appear on the final five with Jim Lokay. Absolutely. At night. Sometimes I'm sober. Sometimes you're sober. You two have great chemistry. Yeah. And how did you uh, all start? Was the first thing that you kind of, and, and I knew you when you had a, you had like a web show kind of podcast that you were doing, which has launched now you doing Sirius XM spots coming in here. So how did it all start for you? Oh, good Lord. Uh, so I was a political comic. I was a uh, uh, editorial director for a bunch of political uh, like blogs that were kind of more internet marketing in Austin. Then I came out here and I started, well, sorry, I started running my own uh, marketing group and then I ended up taking the marketing reins for CPAC 2015 and then uh, had a little Kickstarter and got my little show going, which then got picked up by the Daily Caller. And then I got poached by the Washington Examiner. Then I got a serious deal and then I got a book deal and, and just things kind of happen. There. Well, it's because I don't sleep. And so I just constantly, I just watch the news, I tweet about it, and then I show up to things. And at some point, people started quoting me in things off of my Twitter, which is insane to me. Over 200,000 followers on Twitter. 214.9, but you know, who's counting? <laughs> Looking at everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you're very, very active there. You've been retweeted by the president himself. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, people either love you or, or hate you on Twitter, but that's sort of the name of the game. It is. Um, and so at, at any given day when we check out Tim Runs His Mouth on Twitter, what are we expecting to see? Uh, just dumb stuff. If, if there's something I want to weigh in on uh, politics, I usually make a pretty good joke about it. But uh, the underlying principle of all of those jokes that I make uh, there's actually some sort of substance to it. So if you read in between the lines while you're laughing or yelling at me, you'll see the point that I'm trying to make. Excellent. Okay, we'll get so to some of those today when we get to those hot topics. I was going to say, we're gonna, I want all your thoughts on Joe Biden. We've talked about Biden on this podcast. It, that was a week ago, of course, when he had more accusations coming out of women who felt that he had touched them inappropriately or had kind of been inappropriate in his gestures. Um, so I want to see where you think that is. We still don't have a an announcement that he is running for president, yay or nay. Um, we're going to talk Beto O'Rourke. Finally coming out with some strong words, which I'm sure Patrick will appreciate your thoughts, because Patrick always says about Beto that you never really get anything from him. Racist nickname oh. that he gave himself for political, for really political gain. Do you that, though? Yes. 
So you were telling me this background, and to be fair, I haven't done enough research on this, but I'm, I'm trying to equate how this is racist. But basically, Beto says that the Beto was a nickname, right? Yeah, well, it was a nickname given to him early on in his life, literally, and this has been quoted by both uh, the Dallas Morning News and NBC News has confirmed this. His father gave him that nickname so that he would be more electable in the El Paso area when he wanted to run for office, and he ran with it. He has no Hispanic or Latin background. Absolutely. He has no Hispanic or Latin background. Uh, That's Beto is short for Roberto. That is not his legal name. It's not like Ted Cruz with Edward being his middle name. So this was given to him for political advantage. It is the exact same. And this is a ridiculous point that I made yesterday on Twitter. But it's the exact same as if I were to call myself Jamal Young. Just name myself. Though it's not Roberto. Isn't it Robert O'Rourke? So Beto is not a nickname. It's Bob or Bobby. <laughs> He's Irish. Robert Francis O'Rourke. There's no Beto in that. And he says it with an accent too, which is even more pandering and racist. And I mean, if we're going, if you're going down that road, if you're going to say that, you know, cultural appropriation is bad, like you're yelling at little kids for wearing Moana costumes, you can yell at a politician for pandering by making up a fake Hispanic nickname for himself. Um, Okay, well, I need to read more about this because I was seeing I was just reading um, Ted Cruz, of course, in 2018. They had run some campaign ads, essentially bringing up what you're bringing up, trying Mm -hmm. to, you know, make note of that. And nobody should be fooled with Beto. Uh, And I'm sorry, I'm going to call him Robert Francis from now on on this podcast. But nobody should be fooled with him. The reason that he got close to Ted Cruz in that race in Texas was because people don't like Ted Cruz, period. He's not a very likable guy there. I don't have a problem with him personally, but like. A lot of people don't like him. Voters don't like him because the governor won his reelection, Greg Abbott, by 15 points. So it's a, it's not a Republican Democrat thing; it's a personality thing. You think so? Yes. Why? I just told you. Okay, I wasn't really listening the, because you know what? I was reading this. The origin of O'Rourke's Hispanic-sounding first name has been um, captured in almost every profile of the rising Democrat. Beto is a childhood nickname that stuck. And ironically, when it comes to first names, O'Rourke and Ted Cruz have something in common. Cruz goes by Ted, but he was born Rafael Edward Cruz. I was just thinking, Edward is just, his middle name, and Ted is the nickname for Ted. Why doesn't he use Raphael? They're saying it's the other way for Cruz. He didn't shy away from... um, But cultural appropriation only works one way when the left is making the rules. (laughs) White people can only culturally appropriate other cultures, not the reverse. But it doesn't seem like that has stopped Beto in any way. Like, it doesn't seem like that's caught on for people. Like, they don't... Double standard. Who's writing the rules? Who writes the rules for these, like, social constraints and things? It's not Republicans. It's not conservatives. It's people on the left. So it's fine when they do it. I mean, let's talk about you want to talk about the rules being different for different people. Could you imagine if a Republican was busted in their yearbook photos with blackface or a Klan robe? Uh, you still have a governor in, uh, in Virginia who nothing has happened to. No, no problems whatsoever with that guy. He's still in office. Different rules, different political party, different rules. Well, I do think that that you have a point there. I do think there are some different rules for I have different the people. Right point. There. <laughs> Tim's like, I have the best point. Not to, well, you want and, to say- and don't forget before I before I move on from that and let you move on from that that the uh, lieutenant governor in Virginia still has multiple accusations of sexual assault, and women have come forward and and nothing's happened there either. So there, it's a great state to be in. <laughs> 
Double standard state. <laughs> well, let's well, well on the on the subject of Beto. Let's talk about his recent comments about um, Netanyahu, and that's kind of caused some controversy and debate, and made headlines this week. So, tell us a little bit about you. You know, your thoughts on on that. And basically, O'Rourke, the Democratic presidential candidate, is once again taking aim at Benjamin Netanyahu, going as far as to label the conservative Israeli leader quote racist, who's an obstacle to the mid. East peace process. I just think this is a very interesting. It, it's interesting to me that the left and and the progressive candidates are, are pushing this, what should be anti-Semitic, really. When you when you look at it, their their hatred of Israel. You're not supposed to like Israel anymore. I think that's part of their their the left's platform is like, oh no, we are definitely we need to stay away from them. And he's calling him racist for comments that were like, I think it was like a, one comment like ten or twenty years ago or something. I don't even think he made a reference for it. But a lot of people are saying that it's. it's racist for him i mean of course the the palestinian conflict but it's racist for him to to call people terrorists and uh say that you know israel's under attack by people that aren't of the same color or something like that in that region which is ridiculous to me when you think about it because they are actually under attack people are shooting rockets at them they are under constant threat of terror and war in israel so it's just strange and especially israel being our number one ally in that region that we would have a platform and multiple candidates coming out against not only their prime minister, but like just the country in general. It's just, it's so strange and bizarre to me. And I don't know where that hatred comes from other than some sort of systemic anti-Semitism. You think really? Yeah. You see it over and over again. It's more like the ongoing Palestinian Israeli relations. And it really, when you listen to the rhetoric and where it breaks down, it, it really does start to sound quite ugly at times. So where for you is that breakdown? Like, what do you think for other politicians on the left? What, what do you mean? Be... Like, where? What? Like, it just—it's just over and over again that Israel is bad and Israel um, is suppressing people and holding people down, and they're the aggressor. Israel is not the aggressor in that area. They only react to when they are attacked. Well, to be fair, in this in this Fox News article that was talking about Beto O'Rourke, they also say that O'Rourke also jabbed at the Palestinian leader there on the Palestinian side. We have an um, ineffectual leader, he said. The we... difference between calling somebody a racist and an ineffectual leader is like light years apart. One is one is a very direct term that implies absolute hatred towards other people. And the other one's like, well, you know, he, he does, you know, sometimes have some spelling errors and some documents. And you're right. I mean, I think the article with Fox News was basically bringing up the debate, too, that O'Rourke's comments are part of a larger debate within the Democratic Party over Netanyahu and his government's treatment of Palestinians. Um, and of course, Netanyahu so does Israel, have a close relationship with President Trump. We don't want to lose Israel as an ally, and they've been a great ally to America. And, and I just don't understand... It, it boggles my mind why the left has taken these hard stances against Israel. Where are you at with, we were, you know, some big announcements coming out of President Trump's party this week as far as an abrupt resignation? Well, uh, Kirsten Nielsen, yeah. Well, so here's what's happening with that, with Homeland Security. If, if you disagree with the president, which apparently is what's being reported was the issue, if you agree with any of, uh, disagree with any of his stances, especially this president, you're not going to stick around. Like you're, you're there to serve at the pleasure of the president. Which is and bananas. That's like, I mean, who? What leader doesn't want you to have like br- these people that you're hiring? You're assuming are coming, and you're hiring them because they have knowledge that you don't have, experience you don't have, and yet we hear this time and again, right? I mean, the turnover in his administration has just been nonstop. Well, he runs it like a business. 
And it's different between, you know, when, when you take a look at the past administrations and the swamp, if you want to call it the swamp, uh, people stick around just because that's what's supposed to happen. It's supposed to make you look good. He doesn't care if he if people if if he looks good or not. It doesn't matter what he does. The media is going to say in general that he's a terrible human being and everything is the worst. And, you know, this is the end of the world with every one of his moves. But not only that, he's there to get his policy and his ideas accomplished. It doesn't matter what the other people think. I'm sure he takes it into account, but in ultimately, you go with what he wants or you go home. She put out a pretty, we were talking about this, just a pretty generic statement yesterday. You know, she was grateful for her time there, you know, and moved on or whatever. Who do you think is, is anyone um, in the running? Is there any discussion of who could be replaced for, to lead Homeland Security? I have no idea. I mean, this is, this is one of those ones, like, it, it, hopefully it'll be somebody who's in the security community that, that, uh, and I'm sure it will be, that agrees with Donald Trump. But by the way, in the middle of all of this, you know, there was this rhetoric that uh, Donald Trump hates women, but all of his security officials were women. You got Kirsten Nielsen, you've got, uh, um, Haspel at the CIA, director of the CIA, first ever female director of the CIA. Um, there were a lot of very, very powerful, very intelligent women that he put in those positions. But apparently he hates women, if you listen to all the left's rhetoric. <laughs> well, I think, you know, we always talk about on this show, I think, you know, Trump at the same time is his own worst enemy. Because he has done things that have been he doesn't derogatory care. towards women. In the past... In the past, but I mean, like, if you did really take a look at it, like, has he uh, gone around and rubbed women's shoulders and sniffed their hair on television and been super creepy? Joe Biden? <laughs> no? Mm. Do you really? So where are you with Joe Biden? Do you really think he's, um, well, first, do you think he's actually going to run? I don't know. Uh, really? I would have told you, I would have had him picked as the candidate with Stacey Abrams as his vice president before. Yeah, That's why I thought they were meeting. And she also... Uh, ticks the boxes for the demographics that uh, Democrats want on their uh, on on a presidential ticket, and ticks the box for leaning Democratic Socialist, and she makes that side of the party also kind of happy. So, I would have picked that team, but it just seems like he's dragging this out and dragging this out. He was supposed to have announced by now whether or not he was going to run, and I think that the scandal is kind of building up. Do you think really though, or do you think it's really sticking? See, I feel like. I- with me, I, I, my own personal opinion of Joe Biden is I think you get a sense from Joe Biden. There's a charisma there. There's kind of a I don't see it as creepy, creepy. I mean, I think there's different levels to that. Ten years ago, 15 years ago, it was fine. Now it's you not. think even because a lot of people have come forward and defended Joe Biden, saying that, you know, he's always warm. He's always greeting he sort of, you know, reaches out for a human touch. He's always very engaging. It, although, I mean, there, I take back what I just said because, you know, there have been a few instances where I've been kind of uncomfortable with the way that he's like sniffed women's hair because, and I've, I've talked about this with Jim Loke on the Final Five. If if Jim did that or if someone around here did that to a female colleague. Well, don't you think it depends on who it is? No. Though? And they're like. No, the standard is the standard. Creepy is creepy and wrong is wrong. And so like. But you even have the woman who was the wife of you know I, I can't remember who was the woman that the pictures kind of went viral and he was like sort of leaning in and she was like look oh, was Joe and I was it a pointy or something wasn't yeah, it? yeah we you know Joe has always been so warm and comforting to our family I did not take offense to it like she didn't even take offense to it okay if I came up behind you and you didn't know <laughs> and I, I started rubbing your shoulders and sniffing her which I would never do because I know it's creepy on our relationship like no. obviously you know they some of these close. women Joe had known before had even known social I mean I think if they're saying it's not creepy, it's creepy. That's a different. It's creepy. Allegation. It's just creepy. Like you just can't do. It. It's I don't so think weird. It's gotten that many legs. Like as I don't think it's more just and more women anywhere. are coming out. 
I mean, this is like, what is it? There are five now? I think there's five. I think three more came out this week. It's almost like he was nominated to the Supreme Court. <laughs> I I will be curious to see how you. So you think it will continue to have legs? You think yeah. it will? And you think that it's really weighing on Joe Biden's camp, their mind, if in fact he moves forward? I think it's not just his camp. I think it's him. I think it's really what else is there out there? These might just be warning shots. I mean, I think that's how a lot of this works is, is the warning shots come across first and it's the lighter stuff and then the bigger then stuff comes proceed, out later. Really? Because this is all this is you cannot convince me that this isn't politically motivated because of the timing of all of these claims. So, well, sure, I believe that. I mean, you know, that's politics. So I, mean, I think this is like a strategic drop type of situation. So you get one, then another one, then three more. And it's and it's sort of like these are warnings as things build, I believe, to the candidate. Wow. Well, OK, that's how that's fascinating because I really I'm with you. I, I thought for sure we would hear an announcement. And but at the same time, I don't know. You know, we talk about legacy on this podcast. You know, as of now, Joe has a really great legacy in a good place. Do you? He has a great le- with who? With you? He's got a great legacy with you. I think with a lot. With, I think he's well liked. I think he and former President Obama. are His well-liked. legacy was so great that Donald Trump became president of the United States after Barack Obama and he were vice president. That's not that shocking, though. Come on. Politics ebb and flow. It's a referendum. It was a referendum on eight years of Obama and Biden. People get complacent. You know, Obama, they like. They just wanted a shift. People are fickle. So Donald Trump won because people are fickle? I mean, come on. It doesn't it ebb and flow. You had George W. Bush. Then, yeah. it, then it goes to President Obama. I mean, then it now it swings back. You've got President Trump. I don't I don't know that it, this election is going to determine whether or not Republicans are in forever for the foreseeable future forever or, Why do you think forever because the Democrats have gone so far to the left at this point to try to counteract Donald Trump with like outright things about uh, uh, Israel and, and a lot of their policies going socialist with things that, that the country oh like basic things like health insurance finding a way so people can have health insurance oh ra- minimum wage so people can actually live in this country taking from other people to socialism Take, it's uh, actually taxing Listen, the I want rich people, i want I mean, people to break I, so if you if you got rich you'd want to give up more of your money yes 100 percent. if i earn I'm it worth 25 million dollars i should be paying a lot more than the person in no. iowa who's making well you will you will if there's a if let's say there's a flat tax mm, you will obviously you pay will more money won't. because you make more if everybody pays you know 15 percent or whatever let's just picking that number arbitrarily if you make more money, you're clearly going to pay more money because you're making more. And you're, but that's your not the case. Is we see companies can't we like Amazon paying no tax. You see... But but that, that no tax... So it, you're talking about the New York deal, right? No, beyond that. Well, they, they provide so many jobs and that money goes into the economy. There's a different way of looking at it. It's not just like, oh, we're going to give you tax breaks and, and that money never gets to the economy. They are able to create more jobs. They're able to... Uh, increase commerce and, and revenue in the country in general, and that money goes back into the economy. Okay, Fortune.com. Mm-hmm. This year, Amazon paying a whopping $0 in federal tax on $11.2 billion profits. Sure, how many people do they employ? How many jobs do they create? But they That say, money all goes into the economy. Okay, but how much is their profit at the end of the day? $11.7 billion. You're still not paying. It doesn't matter. If you, if you limit those. If you 7,000 people, but you're still bringing in $11 billion, you, yeah, you still should be taxed. There's there are structures that allow that money to get back into the into the economy, and you're helping out individuals by giving them jobs, and that money then and that tax money goes into the economy. I think people like Bernie Sanders are not that extreme. I think there's <laughs> look. <laughs> Sorry, what? I, I would, luckily I had nothing in my mouth when you said that. <laughs> 
Yeah, okay. They're not. I think Bernie they're Sanders saying basically, is, look. If Bernie Sanders is the nominee, uh, Howard Schultz will get into the race. I believe he's already going to run as an independent. And reasonable Democrats will vote for Howard Schultz over uh, Bernie Sanders. Bernie's a nut. Bernie is not a nut. I feel like Bernie is, I think he's doing what a lot of Americans want. Which is give things out for free reform for the justice system. They don't want. I don't think anybody Green New wants Deal anything that, for free. Uh, they want to push the Green, Green New Deal, Deal that, that got costs zero votes from Democrats and Republicans. So that's a mute point. Well, everybody loved Jeez it because the, because the the world was ending in twelve years, and everybody loved the Green New Deal. We had we have to save the world. We've only got like eleven and a half left, by the way. And the well, Green New there Deal is costs, an issue with the environment. Every household would have to pay six hundred thousand dollars under the Green New Deal. That's the cost. But I mean, that, but the, arguing about the Green New Deal is bananas because it didn't go anywhere from Republicans. But it's a socialist policy. It's it's take away but for something. But you're assuming else. that that is adopted by the entire Democratic Party. It was it was that week. And no, then Mitch McConnell was like, let's no take votes. it. Every, almost every presidential candidate on the Democrat side came out for the Green New Deal. And Mitch McConnell was like, great, let's go vote on it. Let's see how you really think. And they voted president. And then they, and they, they shifted the rhetoric the from. with people on the Republican side or, or, you know, or extreme sides of both politics. You guys take one thing and then you blanket it that it's like every Democrat feels that way. They don't. Bernie Sanders has had open debate, has had open disagreements with AOC. He doesn't what believe What were the disagreements everything. over? Where they were going for lunch? He said he said exactly the same thing about the Green Deal, too. He obviously, Bernie, feels that, and we all do. I mean, climate change is real, world's despite what President years. Trump says. The world's not ending in 12 years, though. No, but come on. You know this in policy. Lots of times, it's the, you ask for the extreme, you put out the extreme, and then you're ending up compromising somewhere never, in the middle. I've never heard a policy push that's like... Hey, the world's ending in 12 years. We better do something now that takes all of your money. Well, how do we know if she's right or wrong? We don't. We're gonna we find we out can just assume. Years. I think it's safe to assume she's wrong. <laughs> it's pretty safe. We don't know, though. You don't know. And by the but way, for her. What we do for, know factually is the climate is changing. The climate always changes. Correct. That is undeniable. Yeah, but it's changing at a much faster rate. And I mean, come on. You know anything. Like, I mean, 7 billion people in the world. Even more than that. At some point, yes. there are more people sustain. in the world. I, we'll find out. We'll find out. So in the meantime, we should do nothing to. Hey, listen. If we've only got twelve years left, better. I better live it up. You better live it up, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, well, don't worry about who's I'm getting trying. taxed for who. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Don't worry about the future. Um, Chelsea Handler. She's we, crazy. Cra- she's crazy. <laughs> I filled it in for you. Uh, she's got a new book out. She's been doing the media rounds. Is this one about her being uh, drunk on vodka constantly? Wasn't that like she has eight best-selling um, books about oh, her being a drunk? One of it, yeah, yeah. I do believe a couple of them was something like vodka. Are you there or something? Yeah. Like, <laughs> are you there, vodka? It's me, Chelsea. Wasn't that well, one? Yeah, I think that was it. Com- mm-hmm. The comedian, of course, has been doing the media rounds, as I mentioned, and she said that in one of her interviews, she seeked out a psychiatrist after Donald Trump's victory in 2016. <laughs> Handler he- explained during the appearance on Real Time with Bill Ma- with Bill Maher that she went through a midlife identity crisis was smoking weed not stop and it made her unhinged she said she was addicted to weed mm-hmm. I, ha- I have a feeling that a lot of uh hemp growers and uh and weed manufacturers would have a lot to say about that because weed is not supposed to be addictive at all so that's one thing two she lost her mind because trump lost the election i th- there's a video a very prominent viral video of her getting peed on on the internet <laughs> and she's saying that she lost her mind because trump won the election like be an adult <laughs> I mean, as as a uh, right-leaning Republican, uh, I've lost many elections in my lifetime. I watched 
t- terrible candidates in Romney and McCain get blown out by Obama. I never needed a psychologist. I was an adult and I went on. I moved on with my life. There's the Trump derangement syndrome is real. And unfortunately, you know, when, when everybody's so used to uh, winning for so long or, or they're so complacent with their success that something gets taken away from them, uh, as happens in the real world, they, they lose their mind and have to go to a psychologist to grow up. Well, she does say she goes on to say that she realized how spoiled and privileged I'd been my entire life and realized to be upset and this, um, you know, on this outrage and anger, I just wanted to fight people all the time. And I was like, I have to go see a psychiatrist. So she did say that she learned a lot of lessons from it. She went on to talk about um, her Twitter behavior says otherwise. Well, I mean, I don't think she I don't think she's like doing a 180 that she likes him. But well, no, but like her like wanting to fight people and say like ugly things and whatever. So you don't think and you can tell when she's like her her speaking of the difference between people who tweet a lot and go on tweet storms. Her tweet storms have a lot of a lot of spelling and grammatical errors as if someone hit the bottle. Whereas like Donald Trump's tweet storms, he does not drink. And so they are very, very, thir- you know, you know that he is. Of of sane mind when he's I don't tweeting. know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, though. I mean, you know, our president is spending time coming up with a meme about Joe Biden massaging He shoulders. didn't come up with that meme. Carpe Donctum did. Friend of mine, by the way, in, uh, in the middle of, uh, I believe, Missouri is where he is. Did Trump retweet it or just snag that video? He snagged the video and he put it up. But uh, this kid has gone from, I think, 30,000 followers on Twitter to like 90,000 now. He's like I the... Bet. And New York Times profiled him this weekend. The guy's a winner. So he created that video, which yeah. was just like snippets of Joe Biden massaging women's shoulders, sniffing their hair or whatever. Trump snags that basically. It know. was it was Joe Biden sniffing Joe Biden's hair. Right, which right, was amazing. right, right. And then like it was like this outrage. And there's this whole concept of like, oh, is this a doctored video? Is this doctored video? It's a meme. It's a meme video. It's a meme. It's funny. <laughs> it's there's meme. no, it's not a doctored video. There isn't some sort of like, you know, overarching evil scheme. The guy's just funny. Well, your friend, that was, uh, yeah. Smart guy. That was pretty funny. And then, of course, Joe Biden responded to that and was saying that President Trump is presidential as usual. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, I mean, didn't Joe Biden say that he would take Donald Trump out back and beat him up if it was high school? I, I do remember that quote, yeah. These two adults, grumpy old men. <laughs> grumpy old men. Um, let's talk locally. So this story was big yesterday. Um, and reading about this, I, I'm not sure exactly maybe you know more about it, but I don't know how they found out about this guy but a maryland man essentially was had stolen a u-haul was going to drive it into a crowd of people down at national harbor where the big ferris wheel was and intended to take his own life um as an act of terrorism and he was really upset with people who were not believers yeah that scares me that really yeah, really i know me. that was kind of amazing that they thwarted that i mean it's and i think that kind of stuff happens every day and i don't i don't think it ever necessarily makes the news i think there's we have a not to put it in a, a comic booky sounding way but i think that our our national security is sort of like men in black where you know that movie where like something catastrophic really is, where they are yeah yeah and something catastrophic is about to happen uh most days and our national security stops it before it ever happens and, and stops it regularly and i think that's a regular thing i think our security is amazing in in america and this is just one of the the probably one of thousands of things that get thwarted every year uh, just locally here because if you think about it i mean oh yeah i know we're right we're the epicenter really and, and the metro area areas it always scares me and i'm i'm very paranoid this is kind of uh, inside baseball with me um i don't like traveling during rush hour on metro ever right because you go to l'enfant plaza you go to uh, chinatown metro center and it's shoulder to shoulder it's and and there's no security there i mean there's security but hopefully the men in black. Yeah. Well, I, I think that things are caught because of, you know, you can monitor so much on the Internet and, and 
our systems and algorithms and and people in particular i think we have the best security in, in the world and if we didn't i think something would have happened by now but it always is in my mind like when you see a crowded uh, subway station during a rush hour it's very scary and and this should scare everyone and um knowing that terrorism is this close to home but I mean, you have to know. I mean, we're, we are the capital of the United States, the most powerful country in the world, and the target for terrorism, period. Yeah. And we're fortunate that we've only had, and still terrible, only had very few things happen to us. And so this is just an, yeah. Knocking on wood. Yeah. Um, um, Rondell Henry, 28 years old, was his name, is his name, of Germantown, Maryland. He's been charged with interstate transportation of a stolen vehicle, but in court documents, authorities also allege a much more sinister intention. According to authorities, Henry claimed to law enforcement that he was inspired by the Islamic State when he stole a U-Haul van looking to use it as a weapon. The Justice Department said Henry harbored hatred for anyone who wasn't Muslim, and he was allegedly inspired by watching terrorist propaganda videos. Uh, he's a computer engineer by trade and knew nothing of explosives or firearms, but he knew how to drive. And he also knew of a terrorist attack or terrorist truck attack in Nice, France. Yeah. So the defendant decided to use what was readily at his disposal disposal to conduct a vehicular attack on a crowd. It was the guy that drove through the, the, uh, the that guy drove through that yeah. Christmas yes. thing, right in Nice. No, I, when you think about it, this is. Every time there's a, um, and again, this is going to get really dark. Every time there's a, a mass shooting, we always talk about gun control. But when you think about it, you could ban every gun in the world. That guy could have still killed dozens of people by driving over them with a truck. There, there's no, there's no U-Haul van control that would stop this crazy person. A crazy person's going to kill, regardless. They don't, they don't follow the laws. Yeah, you're right. So you're you could right. ban everything. Like right now in London, there's uh, a rising number of uh, knife attacks because they don't have guns. So you have crazy people that want to kill. I, yeah, but it's harder. I mean, you can't compare knife attacks to a gun attack. I mean, it's hard to kill you sure can if, if, sixty people with one knife. It's not a. It's not a one for one. The it, it's a the the one for one is a crazy murderer who isn't going to follow the laws anyway. Is well, going yeah, to find course, a way to do it. But I mean, that's it. like anyone. But I mean, you know, that still I'd doesn't mean have, we shouldn't work towards more gun control. I'd rather have Americans. I trust law-abiding citizens who own guns to protect themselves and other Americans before a, a, a criminal. And so, when you when you create a law to ban guns, you're not a law-abiding citizen is going to follow the law. A criminal never follows the law. You could ban everything in the world; a criminal will still. Yeah. If they want to find a gun, they'll get a I gun. I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think you're right. Most gun owners in this country are responsible. Like. You know, ninety-five percent of them are. You I know, go higher than that. Other than like idiots at like gun shows that shoot themselves in the foot or something. Like there's there's like right. always the idiot at the gun show that's like, right. you know. But um, no, and I, I do think to your to your point, I think that with mass shootings in this country, it's more. It's also a mental health issue. Oh yeah. On top of being a gun issue, I mean, I think you know we haven't done a lot for mental health people since the Reagan administration, but I won't go there. But anyway, um, so I think we are seeing the result of that. You know, a lot of mental people don't have treatment. There isn't readily available programs that are affordable or free. So you have a lot of people then getting guns. I think the issue comes down to see something, say something as well. I think yeah, it, it's and I agree a, with that too. people need to, if, if anything is suspicious, they need to immediately say something to law enforcement immediately. Yeah. Uh, because look at this guy who had the the U-Haul truck, and it was uh, that could have been horrible. I know, yeah, it really could have. So it's that was a huge, you know. But again, I I think that we have some of the best security anywhere in the world here in Washington D.C. Because I'm I'm shocked um, that we haven't had more problems here like that. 
I and know. I you know. You're right. You you. That's a great point. You're really. You're right. I think there's a lot more monitoring going on than, than what we hear about. And I'm happy about that. Actually, it's very yeah. odd for me to be like, oh, you can listen. I don't commit crimes, so you can watch anything I do. I don't care. Um, I but yeah. uh, it's I. I'm I'm glad that we're safe, and and it speaks to first responders and all of us. How do you feel about um, Felicity Huffman pleading guilty yesterday in a great. Boston court to um, the Operation Varsity Blues, which of course was all these parents uh, working with that singer guy essentially to get their kids into schools that they were not qualified to get into. Um, could be looking up at a year in prison potentially. But her prison's like the Martha jail. Stewart prison, where right. there's like golf courses and yeah. Whatever, it's tennis. Camp Cupcake. Yeah. Let's be honest. But um She'll probably she'll probably like teach acting classes for like to get out early on good of behavior. Course. <laughs> It'll be like Jesse Smollett's community service where he gave video advice. Oh man. <laughs> That's right. And like how yeah, to sell things he, at the store, right? Didn't he? Helped, he? Yeah, exactly. At, he at helped, the Rainbow uh, Coalition yeah, yeah. uh official team store or he whatever they're in marketing and gave yeah. uh, video tips and editing. Yeah, let's not get on into Smollett because <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation. But um yeah, listen, these celebrities who bribed people to, to make ridiculous... My favorite part of the whole story is the photoshopped pictures of the kids on other athletes' bodies. Oh, I know. <laughs> the <laughs> like, extremes that they went to. All they had to do... Listen, if you're a celebrity, like Laurie Laughlin or whatever from... Yeah, from, Laurie and her husband. Uh, what was it? Full House. People know these people. They're recognizable. They would want them around on campus. So why would they not just drop their name or or donate to the school in a traditional way of bribing the school to get people to pick up their kids? I don't understand why they they took this cheap route to this guy like a Did you back think alley about saving money. Like why would I donate two million dollars when this oh. singer guy is alleging that oh just pay fifty thousand dollars? Good point. And we'll get your daughter in. Will stage all these pictures. Oh, and by the way, Lori Laughlin's doing it with her girls. So, but so like Lori Laughlin, didn't she get her daughter into USC? And her daughter yeah. was already an internet celebrity because she's married to Massimo. Yes, who's the designer who has it? Well, had a Target line. Yes. Oh yeah, him and Stussy. Yeah, they were. And actually, I think it was designer too. Like I think it was initially runway at first. Then they did a collaboration, longtime collaboration, like over ten years with Target. I think he was one of the first. I like how so excited they, you are to talk about fashion because we were politics. You're like, you just lit up. You're like, <laughs> I can talk about Massimo and Target brands now. I definitely bring the pop culture on this show and not so much the politics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just remember back in the day, it was like Stussy, Massimo, and Hypercolor shirts. I really want a Hypercolor shirt. Yes, I don't blame you. I'm down now. I'm back for this. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> Where do we order that? No, but uh, like what? A, so this girl's already an internet celebrity. She had a deal with Sephora. Oh, many Amazon, Sephora, um, Ulta Beauty. She had a lot of things going on. Let's be real. Why is she even going to college? It seemed like it was the parents. So Olivia Jade is the daughter, the YouTube star or whatever you want to call what her. Influencer. Yeah. Um, Influencer. It seemed as though Lori Laughlin and the husband were the ones pushing it because I'm sure you've seen the video clips where Olivia Jade puts her mom on her YouTube and she's like, oh, I can't even believe you're sending me to college. And Lori's like, well, I'm paying for your schooling. Like, I mean, it, we oh, also want you it. to go to school. Yeah. What? It's it's so dumb. Like, honestly, it's, why? Yeah, it is dumb. And, you know, it's crazy that they let that, I guess, name and, you know, the idea of going to USC. And obviously their girls for the Laughlins, their kids were friends. Their friends had gotten into school. They wanted them to stay with them or whatever. It's crazy that they did all that. And now Lori Laughlin and her husband are looking at two years in jail. Massimo could go to jail. Massimo wow. could go to jail. I think they'll actually see Camp Cupcake. I think they'll go to, you like know. A month at most. A month. I say mine. Or is it federal sentencing? Because if it's federal sentencing, 
then there's uh, strict minimums. Like mandatory minimums, I'm sorry. Okay, that I have to find out. But I, w- I want to say it is a federal prosecution. Oh, then they are going to. They'll serve some time down there then. And they'll all have a nice acting camp. And then they'll come out and write books about it. And, uh, and then they'll be on all the talk show circuits, right? Yes. They'll be here at Good Day talking about what they learned. Federal prosecutors. Yeah. Saying that more people pleading guilty this week. They are expecting. Uh, so far, the Lori Laughlin and her husband have not made a plea deal. Um, so that's their best bet. You think? Yeah, they're bust. I mean, they are just straight up busted with this entire program. It's it's kind of fun to watch, though. I I I will admit that I giggled because your kids are too dumb to get into college, or they're they're not. You're already rich. I'm just so the the greed or is crazy to me. The greed and the prestige and the name. You're already rich. You're already but in like Hollywood, it, like you said. Why are Laughlin was getting her kid into like USC? Isn't it? I didn't think that USC was that difficult to get into either, but I'm assuming that maybe it is because it's LA, it's if California. If you're really dumb, if you're really dumb, I think it's I think it's maybe more. And let's face elite it, if, you're, think. if your parents, no, it's not. If your parents are both famous people, and they're too dumb to go drop their names in the admissions office or have a meeting with the dean, it's probably genetic. You're not going to be as bright <laughs> either. Your SAT scores are probably pretty low. Um, what else do we want to cover? Are there other things on your mind that you'll be tweeting about and sharing with your audience and fans today? I go, I go by the day. So like, I, I don't think anything has, has popped up for you yet. Give it time. Like every, every five minutes, something comes up. And, Everything and pops up. Do you, are you into a lot of pop culture stuff too? Or are you not so much? I, I consume everything on the internet constantly. Right. I watch very little TV other than Fox five DC WTTG. <laughs> But I, I love I, the plug. I love it. I get all of my news really from uh, so like Fox News, then the other um, the other competitors I won't mention, and uh, and Twitter. I see what comes through on Twitter, and and usually I follow a ton of people on Twitter. I follow almost ninety thousand people on Twitter, and people are like, "Are you crazy? Whatever? Why do you do that?" It's because a lot of people pay better attention to the news than I do on certain days, and so I see what comes through on my feed and whatever's trending, and then I look it up from there. Um, and yeah. see where the stories are coming from. So uh, nothing crazy yet today. I'm excited to see what Stacey Abrams does, though. She's my favorite candidate on the Democrat side, and I don't agree with anything she has to say. Wow. I I'm think surprised she's, to hear you say that. Well, I, there there are a few things. One, the thing I don't like about her is that I believe she still thinks she's governor of Georgia, which is insane. But she's she's super charismatic. She doesn't look like a stereotypical candidate. She looks like a normal human being. Mm. And she speaks very passionately. And, and I... And she's very smart. You can tell she's very smart. I just don't agree with anything she says. And she was a sore loser who lost uh, the Georgia uh, governor's race. But I like her. She's very likable for me not liking anything she has to say. Well, that's um, so. that's actually great. Yeah, that's good. Okay, um, please get this too, Stacey. <laughs> I don't think I don't think any of the Democrats uh, are are like her. Like they they aren't smart enough to nominate her to be their uh, their presidential nominee. Oh, also, she has a that. series of romance novels you probably don't know about. She had eight romance novels. Oh, I love that. I want to read those. Okay, they are dirty. Really? And I have copies of two serious? of them. Yeah, I should have brought some with me. I have I have copies of two of them. And Look at this. Tim runs his mouth reading Stacey Abrams' romance novels. Well, I at did night. for political oppo, but uh, she she leaned into it and she's made jokes about it on Stephen Colbert's show the other night. And that's a that's a bold move for a politician. It's a different kind of move for a politician who's seeking a higher office because usually you run Get from it, things girl. like that. It she is owned time. It. We need a woman of color in this office. I say yes. Let's go. Women power. I have I have no problems with it doesn't matter what you look like or who you are being president of the United States, just that all the Democratic candidates. No, we've suck. had plenty of men. 
well, I don't, years. We don't need any more. I want, I want the best person to be president. I don't care what you look like, who well, you are, who you love. Well, there are plenty of women that whatever. are the best candidates. Sure. We're not in this race. <laughs> Give me, Amy Klobuchar, you, you're not a fan? <laughs> if you would have given me Condoleezza Rice a couple of years ago. Condoleezza. Oh, well, of course. I mean, you're... Aside from CC Abrams... Of course. Abrams, you just rolled your eyes. Like, so, like... I believe well, she could have been I mean, the first woman of color but president. You, you know, you're more of a fan of what's happening in the... I thought she's brilliant. I mean, that, that one was a genius. Party. Like, Condoleezza Rice is an absolute genius. Yeah, and I, I trust no her. And I trust her with everything. But because she's a genius, after she was Secretary of State, she's like, I am done with politics. I'm going home. Now she's running the NFL. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Tim, um, you've been a great guest host. Um, just so you guys know, Patrick was out, um, as he mentioned, in Vegas this week. They are buying all the cool new equipment for the new Fox 5 that is going to be located in Bethesda, Maryland. Very exciting coming They're up. They're giving me a new bucket and mop to, to clean around yeah, here right? when I get when I start working. Yeah, I mean, pretty amazing. Um, so, And we'll also actually be off next week for April break, and then we'll resume after that. But you can catch everything. Be sure to subscribe to the Polini Perspective on iTunes. Patrick will be back. Tim runs his mouth on Twitter and also watch the final five you want to talk about like this is a to plug Jim's show the final five in DC beats the other late night shows like the national late night shows his ratings are better because he puts up a better program and so does the team there and I'm happy to be a part of it on Friday nights and that's where we can catch you um, more and more I'm sure we'll be seeing you but for now we can see you final five um, definitely Monday through Friday night you all begin what 11 o'clock I'm not Monday through I'm on Fridays but it's Monday through Friday night um, 11.30 p.m. And also on Sundays at 11.30. Um, but I'm on every Friday. Love it. Mm-hmm. Tim, thank you for filling in. You were great. Thanks for having me.